SMC, how are we doing? Hey, let me say this up top. Uh, if we haven't met, I, I hope we get to change that over the next uh, several hours together. And I just want to commend you for being here, okay? Because you're in college. All, uh, you know, college students all around the world are just kind of selling out for the world, making mistakes they're going to regret for the rest of their life. I know I did. Uh, you'll hear that if we don't know each other. You'll hear some of my story. I love this ministry. They don't ask me to say that. Nobody asked me to say I, I get to, I have the privilege that like God has been so gracious to allow me to speak in different places. And this is one of, if not my favorite place to travel to, to just get to teach the word. So uh, that's for our second. Happy birthday, Sabin. Somebody told me to say that. I don't know about you, I'm feeling 22. You share a, I thought we'd all get to join in on that, but I guess you guys just let me hang and that's fine. Uh, you share a birthday with my daughter and so we're glad you're here. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I want to start by talking about this word exclusivity. Like we, we like exclusivity. Like some of you, you know, you worked really hard to go to the school that you're going to. Like you filled out applications and they accepted you and you liked that feeling. There was a celebration one day, like, oh, I got in, you know. Uh, we, as you grow up, you know, you, you join exclusive clubs. Yeah, I'm a member. One day, maybe like a country club or, or some kind of other club or maybe in school, like, hey, I'm a part of this club and it's exclusive. Or you get deals, like you kind of signed up for, hey, they're going to open the store early for you and you get to take part in the sales at Nordstrom's or wherever. It's exclusive. You're an exclusive member. But we don't like this word exclusivity when it comes to religion. It feels closed-minded, like it's not for everyone. Uh, I told you when I was in college, I was not following Jesus. Now I was raised in a Christian home, went to a church school uh, for eight years. But when I went up to college, you know, it was like they say drug, sex, and rock and roll. In my case, drug, sex, and hip hop. And, and so I just kind of departed my relationship with Jesus. Now don't use that as permission because I've got scars, okay? Uh, I, if, I, if I had a do-over, that is not what I would do, I regret it. People say, no regrets. I've got lots of regrets. But after college, uh, I was invited to this club. It was an exclusive club. I, in fact, I had driven by this club many times. I never saw it. It was just a door. It was one of those places where there's like a, a bouncer at the front, bald head, big guy, looked like he had a school bus for lunch kind of thing. And, and he's there and he's got a list you know, and he's kind of checking the list, and, and my friend says, hey, I got you on the list. So I show up, you know, I got my club clothes on, and I get in the back of the line. Well, right when I get in the line, this guy kind of comes up, and he's, he's about to go in, so he walks up to the bouncer, gives him his ID. Bouncer looks at the list, looks at him, looks at the list, looks at his ID, looks at the list again, and just shakes his head. Dude does the walk of shame back to his car, and I start thinking, man, what if, what if they didn't get me on the list, you know? And I'm going to have to do the walk. That's going to be embarrassing. If I get up there and I'm like, you know, Jonathan Bakluda, and they're like, no. And I got to turn around and do the walk of shame. Like, that's going to be embarrassing. And I think some of us view heaven this way. Like, like there's Jesus, you know, and you die, and you get to the pearly gates, as they say, and there's Jesus, and he's like, got the book of life. Maybe you've heard that if you've been in journey. And, and he's like, oh, wow, hmm, you 
Let's talk about prom night. Yeah, that little sorority function went wild. That um, vape, some yeah, uh, pornography, some hashtags you click. Let's look at this one, right? And then he pushes the button, it's the trap door. And you follow that. That's kind of how we view heaven. It's this exclusive place. And I remember when I kind of went through my own deconstruction. Because I started thinking, what are the odds I'd be born to the right religion? Like if I was born in India, I'd be Hindu. If I was born in China, I'd be Buddhist. If I was born in Iran, I'd be Muslim. If I was born in Israel, maybe I'd be Jewish. So what are the odds I'd be born to the right country where the church, there's church on every corner, to the right faith, to the right family? How do I know this is true? What if it's not? And that's what I want to talk with you for the few minutes we have. Why follow Jesus? You have options. Why Jesus? He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Sounds like bouncer talk to me. Whoever can, can come through me. Why Jesus? You've got options. Lots of confusion right now. Um, here's a stat. Although 65% classify themselves as Christians, 43% said it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lessons. USA Today said 70% of all major Christian and non-Christian religious groups say many religions can lead to eternal life. You, you've probably heard that. Always lead to God. Maybe you've had a conversation. Maybe you think that. We're all kind of going up the same mountain. Whether it's Allah or Brahma or Buddha or, or Jehovah. Right? We're, we're just taking different paths. And we're going to get to the same place. Maybe that's what you believe. Maybe that's what you have people you love believe. There's a new flavor of Christianity growing rapidly amongst your peers that doesn't require the death of a savior. And I want to be clear up front, that's not Christianity. Any kind, there, there's nowhere in this collection of 66 books that have been preserved for thousands of years for you to read and know what it says. Nowhere in here does it teach that. In fact, it, it teaches something very um, counter to that. Now, you have to decide, do I believe that? And I'm not talking about your head belief because you've been in church your whole life and you're an American or whatever. I'm talking about do you believe that? Are you ready to bank your life on that reality? We're going to talk about how Jesus is the way how Jesus is the truth and how Jesus is the life and specifically what that means. I'm going to be in John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the New Testament. That's the section toward the back. Uh, it starts with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So John is the fourth book and you can turn to the 14th chapter or you're welcome to pull it up on your phone if you promise not to snap or whatever. Uh, it starts in verse chapter 13. Jesus is gathering with his boys and he tells them what's going to happen. He's like, hey, i got to leave for a while. Uh, in fact, they're going to kill me. Uh, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And, and you can't go where I'm going right now. And now Peter steps up. And if you know anything about the Bible, Peter is a complete bonehead. And he's just like, no, Jesus, I'm going. Wherever you go, I'm with you. 
And Jesus is like, oh, that's cute, Peter. Uh, you're actually going to deny me three times before the, before the rooster crows. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. You know, you can't die. Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. And so they're, they're really sad. It's a really heavy, really, really heavy moment in the Gospels. And Jesus says this in verse 1, John 14. Hey, guys, listen, come here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, uh, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, will I, I not come back to take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am? It's a very intimate metaphor. I don't have a lot of time to go into it, but this is the Jewish wedding metaphor. He's like, I'm the groom, and I'm leaving my bride behind, and you better believe I'm going to come back for my bride. Nothing's going to keep me from getting you and taking you home to the exclusive place that I have reserved for you. It has your name on it. You're going to be with me forever and ever and ever and ever in paradise, where there's no weeping, no sadness, no breakups, no heartbreak, no, no cancer, no sickness, no disease. No anxiety, no depression, no despair, no cutting, no suicide, no death of any kind. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas, this is doubting Thomas, says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it fails us in the English here. Because in the Greek here in the New Testament and, and in the Hebrew there in Exodus, where it says I am, this is a name for God. This is like the I am, like who are you? I am. Uh, here it translates, if you read it in Greek, it's I and only I am. I am. And this is what Jesus is saying to them. This is the name for God in Exodus. You know, he says, I am. They say, you know, and, and when Jesus says this in the garden, when they go to arrest him, they say, hey, are you the Christ? He says, I am. And they all fall over like a sci-fi movie, just fall to their, to their backs, just like, like they're knocked down. This is a powerful phrase here. So what does it mean that Jesus is the way? My first point, Jesus is the only way. He is the exclusive way. You, you can argue with the word of God, um, these are the words of Jesus documented here for thousands of years. He spoke them when he was on this earth. It's been recorded in this historical document. And he's answering, how do we get to heaven? How do we get where you're going? And he says, I am the way. And so can all ways lead to God? Only if Jesus is a liar. And so maybe you've heard, well, Christianity, it's so exclusive. It is. That's what it says. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one, that no one there means not anybody, will get to the Father except through me. So maybe you're like, well, I want to be Islam or, or you know, Jewish or, or Buddhist because Buddhism is accepting. Christianity is exclusive. All world religions are exclusive. Like maybe you're here and you think, well, they're all true. Well, that, that is, and I don't mean to offend you with this, but that is a statement of ignorance. So let's just briefly look at what they say. If we turn into the Quran, the Islamic book, 
It says, whoever prefers a religion other than Islam, it shall definitely not be accepted from him, and in the here and in the hereafter he shall be among the losers. That comes from the Ali Imram, uh, chapter 3, verse 85. It also says there in the Quran, they have certainly disbelieved who say Allah is the Messiah, the son of Mary. Allah has forbidden him paradise, and his refuge is the fire. That comes from the Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 72. Hinduism. Uh, Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita, the holy book of Hinduism. Chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. Those who are without faith in my teaching cannot attain Krishna or enlightenment. I permeate all the universe in my unmanifest form. All beings exist within me. If you do not accept this view that you do not exist, you will never achieve Hindu salvation. And not only do they believe in a different path, but they believe in a different destination, reincarnation. That you could come back as, as an animal or, or something or someone else. Buddhism teaches this. Uh, ironically, in a passage called The Way. It says, Buddhism is the only way. There is none other for the purification of insight. Walking upon this path, you will make an end of su suffering. This comes from the Dhammapada, holy book of Buddhism. In the Jewish tradition, exclusivity looks like uh, the Jewish people are God's exclusive chosen people. Uh, they are the ones that can achieve salvation. And so if you're here and you're like, hey, all of those are true. Well, that, the interesting thing is they absolutely contradict each other. And so two truths that contradict each other, uh, they, they're saying, hey, only we can be true. That's what it communicates. So how can that be true? There's something else is true. To say it simply, to say they're all true is to say they're all false. Or to say it in a different way, to say they're all true is to not know what they actually say. So then you've got options now. You're like, okay, so I kind of have come to this place, um, you know, this, this mental ascent where I believe only one can be true. So then you've got to choose, well, which one can be true? What does it look like? Where would I find the truth? And this is going to take us a, a little further, deeper into this study. But I, I just want to say this clearly because I think it is growing in popularity to say that there are many ways to God. All in the name of love. That's a loving thing. Let's talk about that for a second. My daughter and I, we just got back or, or recently um, from Zambia. We were there on a trip, uh, gone for a long time. It's a, it's a difficult place to get to. A couple flights, 20 hours uh, on an airplane, a layover there in Qatar. And, and then we get to Zambia, and I'm ready to get home. I'm ready to see my wife and my kids, and I'm there in the Zambian airport. And so let's just say I'm there, Presley and I are there, and we want to get home. And, and I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, I'm jet-lagged, like the time change and all that. And I want to get home, but I don't speak Naranja. And everyone there speaks Naranja. No, no one, I can't find anyone that speaks English. And I don't know what gate's going to take me home. I don't know what airplane is going to get me to the United States, to DFW uh, here in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, right? I don't know how to get there. And so there I am, I'm frustrated in the airport, and I see you. And you speak Naranja, and you know the airport, and you say to me, you're like, JP, I recognize you from SMC. Listen, what's wrong? You seem stressed. I'm like, man, I am. I don't know what plane's going to take us home, what gate. And you go, oh, when's your flight? And you look at the ticket, you go, oh, man, it's D27. That's going to get you home. Now, here's how I'm not going to respond to you. Hey, man, 
How dare you? Tell me D27, the only one that's going to take me home. I'll get on whatever gate I want to. You know, hey, you're so close-minded. Talking about D27. That's the only way I can get home. No, man, I'll, I'll jump on whatever plane I want to. I'm not going to respond like that. I'm going to be like, thank you. You told me the truth. You told me how to get to where I'm going. That's really loving. Now, had you told me, had you told me just to make me feel better, you saw his stress, you said, hey, man, don't worry about it. Any of these planes will take you home. Get on any of them. And I'd, I'd, I'd get, grab my daughter. We, we jump on one. And, and we, we get on that plane, and it drops us off in Afghanistan or, or the war-torn part of Ukraine. We get off, we're dodging bullets. I'm like, what did they do? I, I'm gonna, I, at first, I'm gonna like, oh, man, you really love me. Thank you so much. I feel so much better. And then I'm going to realize you lied to me. And it wasn't loving because it wasn't true. And it didn't get me to where I needed to be. And now I'm further from my family, and I'm risking not just my life, but the life of my daughter. Right? So Jesus is the way. This is what Jesus said. If there was another way, he wouldn't have been like, Lord, let this cup pass from me. See, the gospel, the great exchange, the gospel is that Jesus Christ got what you deserved on the cross. He, he because you clicked on some hashtags and drank too much and vaped that thing and, and, and looked at that thing and went too far with your boyfriend, Jesus died. So you didn't have to. He got what you deserve, and if you trust that he got what you deserve, then simply because you trust that he got what you deserve, you get what he deserves. As a perfect deity, an heir to a kingdom, you get paradise. You inherit paradise. That's called the great exchange. That's the gospel. The gospel just means good news. So what does it mean that he's the truth? My second point, Jesus is absolute truth. Jesus is absolute truth. We, we can say that Jesus is historically true. There's other historians that have written about him. It's not just the Bible, Josephus Flavius, Tacitus. Other historical books talk about this man named Jesus called the Christ, the Messiah. Right. So we're not just talking about he's historically true. He's capital T truth. Like It's, it's like C.S. Lewis said, I, I don't believe in the sun because I see it. I believe in the sun because by it I see all things. That with a right understanding of who Jesus is, then we can only, then and only then, can we see life as it was intended. And so what this means, and this is where some of you, if you're not already offended, you'll get there, is that means there's absolute truth. Like there are things that are true and there are things that are not true. And just to prove this to you, I, I'd love to do something. I want all of you, this is group participation now, take a good pointer finger, okay? So grab a good pointer finger. All right, just hold it up. You're like, you're number one. I'm number one. Can't be number two, right? I'm number one. All right, now what I want you to do, and this is where you're going to have to really trust me, okay? Uh, I'm going to watch your purse for a minute and, and whatnot. I know there's some shady folks here, but I, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes for a minute. Close them real tight. I'm watching your things. You got your eyes closed. Now, all I want you to do is point north. Just point north, just as quickly and effectively as you can. You don't have to think about it long. I'm just, just point north. Okay, now hold it there. Hold it there as you point. Some of you are more subtle than others. You're kind of hiding your answer, unsure. Now just open your eyes and look around. That worked way better than I thought. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, just as you're all kind of talking amongst yourselves, trying to decide who was right. Some of you pointed straight up, which is confusing. Okay? 
uh, not north, just so, just so we're clear, right? I see you, really confident. You're wrong, though. Uh, north, due, due north is actually right there. Yeah. Yeah, you'll hear, you'll, you'll hear about seven people clapping. About seven of you got it right, okay? Now, let me just say this, okay? Because some of you are like, yeah, right. Now, now when I say I, I got up here with a compass, and it's, it's right about exactly at that exit sign, but let me, let me make sure you understand something. This is not north, and this is not north. This is north. Right? So if I, I go there, right, I'm going to go through Oklahoma. As I keep going, I'm going to get to Winnipeg, Canada. But if I am two degrees off one way or the other, I'm going to miss Canada altogether. You see how important it is to identify what is capital T, true north? Because if you don't understand it, if you just assume, like you, you, like you can get as bold and cocky, as arrogant and courageous as you want, and you say, you know what? I think that way's north. And I'm like, that's cute. You're wrong, right? And you're like, I'm going to go north to the North Pole and see Santa. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going to get there, right? It doesn't work that way. Not in any kind of thing does it work that way. Not in any category of information does it work that way. So Jesus is the truth. Like, you can say, you know what? Well, he's not my truth. It's good that he's your truth, right? And that, that just breaks down so fast, guys. You've got to engage logic because you can climb to the top of the embassy suites across the street and you say, my truth is that I can fly. And I'm going to be like, that doesn't work well for you because my truth, capital T truth, is that gravity is going to pull you down to the earth at a pace that is going to kill you should you think you can fly. Right? Do you see how ideas are dangerous? And you can embrace them because they feel good, but if you keep embracing them because they feel good, it won't feel good. It's going to take you somewhere that doesn't feel good. Colossians 1 says, for in him, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Your atheist friend was made for Jesus. This is absolute truth. You are here, not by accident. God ordained this moment before creation. He knew you before anyone did. He knew your name and how many hairs would be on your head. He knew how many days you would live. He, he knew all the terrible things that you were going to do, the things that you would do all by yourself that you'll never speak of. He knows about the abortion. He, he knows about the sex. He knows about the masturbation. He, he knows about your fetish. And he chooses you. He says, that one, I love that one. I want them on my team. In fact, I'm going to ordain all things and just kind of bring them to this conference where they start questioning things. They're like, man, you got at a point with the gravity thing, man. It's interesting. In the north, that really threw me off. If it's not true, it's not loving. Our girls, we've got my wife and I, Monica and I, have two daughters and a son. And they, they've always wanted pets, and I, I've kind of held them off. When my daughter was three, I'd held her off as long as I could. And I, I took her to the pet store, and, uh, and I was like, you know, and she's just like, we're going to get a pet. And I'm like, that's right. And I take her over to the beta fish, right? I'm like, look at these beautiful fish, you know? 
choose which one you want. There's a purple one and a red one, and there's a red and purple one. And um, at three, she's like, Daddy, it's not fair. I'm like, what's not fair? She's like, it's not fair that they have to be constrained to the water. I'm going to take one home with me in my pocket. I'm gonna, this is what she says. Listen, she goes, I'm going to set it free. In the name of love, she wants to set the fish free. Now, what's going to happen to the fish? It's going to die. Right? And it's a silly little illustration. But I think some of us, like, we, we just are like, oh, man, all things, like, just want to love everyone. It's not true. It's not love. Right? Love sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. So what does it mean that Jesus is the life? It means, my third and final point, life as it is intended cannot be found apart from Jesus. That he made life, he gave you life, he, know it how, he knows how it is to be lived. This is like Pascal's wager, something called Pascal's wager, where he just, in a debate, he says, you know, to an atheist, he says, if I'm wrong, like I've just lived a good, virtuous life pursuing Christ. But if you're wrong, right, there's a tremendous consequence. If you're wrong and I'm right, there's a tremendous consequence. If, if I'm wrong and you're right, I just lived a virtuous life. Lived a good life, cost me nothing. But if you're wrong... Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, I've come so that they might have life and have it to the fullest. He calls us to life uh, in him, which means repentance, that we would turn from our sin, that we would stop embracing it, that we'd know that it's harmful to us. Like no one has ever gotten away with sin. Like you can hide it, you can keep it a secret, but no one's ever gotten away with it. It, it always, sin every single time costs you something. There's always a victim, Right? I, I think what's going to happen, like we're, we're real big on this idea of tolerance, you know, teach his own. I, I want to give you a heads up, Christians. I know there's believers, devout followers of Jesus in the room. They, they are going to turn on you. They're going to say, hey, uh, our hardships are because of you. I just recently read an article about pornography, a big passion of mine because I was enslaved to it for, for over a decade. And it just said that, um, you know, it turns out that suicide rates among porn stars are really high. Um, get really depressed. Depression among those who uh, perform pornographic acts. It's like astronomical. And so what they do is they, they begin to ask the question, well, is this because the world is not tolerant to their profession? And it's, it's a... It's a ghost argument. There, there's no data to support that because in areas where it's completely tolerant to it, suicide rates and depression rates are just as equally as high. But people will turn on the righteous. Like that's going to happen. So you're going to have to decide over the next 48 hours, am I all in with Jesus and am I willing to be persecuted? Am I willing to be weird? Some of you might ask the question tonight, well, what about those who don't hear the gospel? And I'll just say quickly, because we're running out of time. One time I had the, the opportunity to, to speak on a broadcast that went into Iran, and I was sharing my story, and I was talking about Jesus. I was sharing my testimony. 
I was talking about Jesus, and this 12-year-old girl calls in, and uh, it's being translated, interpreted for me into an earpiece. She's speaking Farsi, and she says, that man that he's talking about, I dreamt about him last night. And he told me in my dream last night that he had died for me so that I could be with God forever. And, um, and they begin to just clarify, and everybody's excited. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So that's one story. Another story is I was in Africa, in the jungles of Africa, in the Maasai Mara. And I walk into this store there. There's like one establishment for miles and miles and miles. I walk in there, and I'm sitting there, and this lady comes up to me, and she says, are you saved? And she's an African woman. And I said, what do you mean by saved? She says, do you have a relationship with Jesus? I said, uh, yes, I do. And she goes, me too, with this big grin. I said, how did you come to faith in Jesus? And she said, God has always spoke to me in my dreams, and one day he introduced me to his son, Jesus. And I said, well, how did you know his name was Jesus? And she goes, that was his name in my dream. And he told me that he died for my sins, and God raised him from the dead. I said, did a missionary ever share that with you? She said, no missionary ever came here. She said, he spoke to me in my dream. And now some of you, that's a great encouragement to you. It's not to me. Because God says that if you don't share the gospel, that even the rocks will cry out. That he's going to do whatever he needs to do to progress that gospel. And I'm thinking why, the reason God is showing up to people in dreams is because those of us here are not doing our job. Now, I know that, that Stumo, right, I know they're getting after it. But if you come to faith in Christ, it's not like then sit on your hands and, you know, live the most comfortable life you can. He's calling you to be a missionary where you are or somewhere else, but he's calling you to be a missionary. In summary, he is the way to eternal life with God. He is the truth that holds creation together. And he is life. Apart from him, you will only find death. I was in the green room once talking to this young woman who was raised in a Christian home. I knew her story. Uh, she had never strayed the path, never tasted alcohol, never been high, never had sex outside of marriage. You know, just, she just followed Jesus. I'm not saying she had never sinned, but she had just lived a really, you know, life committed to Christ in the church. And I knew that. And I, I worked for the church at this time. I'm in ministry. And and she worked for somebody who worked for me at the time. And so we were in this conversation. I was feeling provocative. And so I said, hey, let me just ask you, like, like why, why is your life better than mine? I said, let's, let's talk about it. Because I said, I, I've had all kinds of sex. I've done drugs. I, I've, I've hugged so many toilets. I've been so drunk. You know, I, I've been to the biggest parties. I've experienced the, the greatest things. And, and, and here we are. We're both going to get to go to heaven, right? So we both get the prize in the end. And, and you work for somebody who works for me. So why is your life better than mine? And she didn't hesitate. She was ready. And she said, I mean, without pause, she said, I've had more fun and I have less scars. She looked at me and she said, JP, I've laughed much harder than you have. And I've got way less scars than you do. And I just want you to know she is absolutely right. She's absolutely right. I, I think we think that God's trying to rip us off. He's not. He's wanting to set you free. And that's the reality. And, and I don't know that we settled this, you know, bouncer, like Jesus is there. Like, you're not getting in. You're not getting in. It's not a bouncer. It's like he's at the gate of a bunker. Okay, like there's a missile headed toward us, like there's a bomb going off and everyone's going to die. And Jesus is at the mouth of the bunker saying, get inside. Get inside.
right, hey, this is the way to live. Come on. He says, come on, come on. Everybody's welcome. Come here with his arms wide. Come here. Be saved. And you come in and you're like, okay, I believe in you. He's like, no, no, no. Go back out. Bring them in. Bring more in. Get them in here. And you live a life on mission. He's not a bouncer. He's at a bunker calling you into life with him. Let me pray that you would respond. Father, help us to believe you in that. Help us to know that's true. To walk with you in that truth. That you sent your son to die for our sins. So that we don't have to die for our sins and we can find life with you. I know there are people here with scars from last night, from this morning, from last week. And Lord, I just pray you'd heal us. You would strip us of all unrighteousness, creating us a clean heart. Purify us from our wicked ways. Make us clean. Wash us by your word, Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, make us new. Give us a vision for what you want to accomplish with our lives. And help us to live radically sold out for you. Father, anything that I said that's not true, I pray that it be forgotten before they stand. But anything that I said that is true, consistent with your word and your character, I pray they wouldn't be able to shake it. That you'd wake them up in the middle of the night with it. You would consistently and continually call them into a deeper relationship with you. In the name of Jesus.